They're desperate for leadership. All those things Pastor Brian talked about today, you know, the, the broken society that we live in. It's the absence of leadership. We don't get it from politics. We don't get it from many places. And, and sometimes we don't even get it from the church. But I, but I pray that we're going to get it, I, I mean across the board, you get it from this church, you get it from your church, you get it from your church. But I'm going to pray that we're going to see a greater manifestation of leadership from the church. Amen. And your generation, your generation, Jordan, you're going to see the greatest manifestation of Christian leadership more than we've seen for 200 years. Amen. Come on. Come on. Your generation. Come on. Your generation. Praise the Lord. Your generation. Hallelujah. Yeah? Yeah. Praise God. So position yourself. Yeah. Position yourself. The right relationships. The right you 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 know, this goes for everybody. I know I'm talking to these young men, but I'm talking to us all. Position yourself. If you've got dead wood in your life, cut it off. Yeah. Yeah. Cultivate good stuff. Get good friendships, good relationships. Love God's word, love his spirit, love his presence. Get good friends. You've got some deadheads in your life. Ditch them. Link yourself to good men. Sit under good pastors. Get good teaching and grow and grow and grow because the future depends on you. If, if the church doesn't rise, imagine what this ideology and all this stuff that we, you, you talked about before, imagine where that's going to take our world, down the toilet real fast. Right? You know, the kind of serious ideological, philosophical agendas are dangerous and they will kill young people. Thank God for men like you that are in there rescuing young men and young women at desperate times in life. And thank God for these men because they're going to be harvesting. But they're also going to make a sound to their generation yeah, and to on, the man. cities of uh, this country and the United Kingdom and beyond because there is a great thing that's happening. And I, I think we, we are positioned, Pastor Patrick and I, working in Europe together, and uh, we're just seeing the emergence of a generation that's coming. And, and Pastor Patrick, I want to say this to you. Uh, you, and I'm saying this publicly because I've said it to you privately, right? You, you are... You are the carrier of a torch that will ignite something in any room, in any country. You are the carrier of a torch that will release and ignite a flame that will burn in passion for Jesus. There are lots of people that can tell the atmosphere of a room. I know some of you got coats on because you, your body's telling you it's a little cool or, or, or whatever the case may be. But there's not everyone can change the atmosphere yeah. in a room. Everyone can tell, I'm cold, I'm hot, whatever it is. But not everyone can change it. And Pastor, you carry the capacity to change the atmosphere. God's given you a torch, a light, a match, call it what you will, a match, whatever, a spark to ignite a room. And I, you start with a room. You move to a, a church, you move to a city, you go to a nation, and you can touch the nations. Amen. And that's what God's put in there, the touch to the nations. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yeah? We, we work, we're working together in, uh, in uh, where is it? Europe right now. Oh, yeah. That's right, that little place over there. Yeah, and so we're seeing, uh, you, you, he, he probably won't have talked to you about this, but we've been working on this for about seven years. And uh, we've seen um, the, the, the reach in Europe expand exponentially. 
I would say conservatively, we are meeting with leaders who represent probably um, conservatively um, probably 2,000 something like that churches. 1,800, 2,000 churches, something like that. Now, now you might say, well, that's a lot of churches. But I'll say there's a lot of people in Europe that don't go to any church. So that's the outcome of what we're talking about. Not, whoopee, we've got, you know, so many churches. It's, there, is a, there is a harvest to get involved in. There is a harvest. And somebody has got to put a torch to it. And, and God's going to raise up others. It's a unique thing. You know, not everyone can do what you do. You know, we kind of think everyone can do what I can do, but they can't. You're unique. And uh, you carry a torch. And uh, I, it's just a privilege of my life to work with you and just to see what God does in Europe. It's a significant thing. It's a significant thing. Oh! <laughs> oh! I've got to finish what we started this morning. It's going to be about five minutes. Is that okay? Five minutes, and then we're going to do what Pastor talked about before and do that impartation thing, that the thing that's really significant, really important. Remember that we were talking about Second Kings this morning, Second Kings, and in Second Kings there's the story of two generations. And, and what it is to be a man, a real man, a man of the kingdom, that is, is to be a man of generations, and Elijah was a man of generations, for he, he took care to invest in the next generation. Thank God for these young men that belong to the next generation from me, from many of you. We want to invest in them because the future of this planet and humankind depends upon God raising up young men and women, young men like these, and also young women as well. I, did, I was about to say young men and women like these, but that's not what I meant, you know. <laughs> young men like these as well as young women uh, that God will raise them up because that will be a significant force for harvest in days to come so Elijah walked with Elisha Elisha had learned from Elijah he'd washed his hands which means when, when, when Elijah had been to the bathroom it was Elisha that had the water so he could wash his hands when he came out that's the intimacy of their relationship it wasn't just Hi, Elisha. Hi, Elijah. It wasn't just like that. It was, it was as intimate as washing his hands after he'd been in the bathroom. It was a close relationship where the spirit of the father was invested in the son, a spiritual son. And that's the kind of relationship they had. And when Elijah was coming to his end, they started this place called Gilgal. Remember we talked about that this morning. Do you remember we talked about that this yeah, morning? Yeah. <laughs> And then they went to Bethel, which comes from Genesis chapter 28, which was the place of the open heaven. See, if all we're really talking about is what's good for me, I'll stay back there at the place of Gilgal. That's good enough. That's a good place. No more slavery. The disgrace of slavery broken. But actually we move forward. And it's not that far. And I'll tell you, even though it's not far, not everyone makes the journey. Some people say, I'm happy to stay back here. That's, right. That's good enough. That's good enough. It's all about me. I got what I want. I'm okay. I'll stay here. But the Spirit of God leads us on. We go to another place, a place of an open, open heaven, a place where we see the accessibility of God, the nearness of God, the closeness of God. Lots of people stay there because it's a good place to be. 
really nice place to be. But they said, no, let's go on. And the next place they went to was a place called Jericho. And again, in your mind, you go back to the early chapters of the book of uh, Joshua and you find that here, having come across the waters of Jordan, they come to the first place that they meet. It's a fortified walled city. It's a fortified walled city. And there is a city that you could not take uh, but with a great uh, siege that might last weeks or months or even longer. But God gave them a different heavenly strategy. Walk around, walk around, walk around. They walked around by the strategy of God. The walls came down. They had an incredible victory. What's the message there? The message for Elijah generation and Elisha generation is you are made for victory. You are made for victory. And you will not have victory unless you have conflict. You cannot have you cannot have victory unless you have conflict. So many people want to have victory without conflict. You can't get it. You see, you have been made, Paul says in the book of Romans, you have been made to be more than a conqueror. That means you need, you need to have conflict. Some people run from conflict. What does James say? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face various trials, because these have been sent by God so that your trial of your faith might advance you and grow you and purify you. God sends conflict. He loves you so much that he won't allow you to stay in the condition you are. He will allow the circumstances in your life to come that will make you grow. See, nothing will separate you from God's love. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, no created thing, nothing that you could ever think of can separate you from God's love. But some things will cut away from you the things that will drag you down. And so God's love brings conflict into your world so that you can grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and you can become a person that understands victory. Now, I would love to live over here at this place right here, this place called Gilgal, because it's all about me having my, my slavery broken off. But no, God doesn't want it just about me. He wants an open heaven so that I can live in victory. So I can live in victory. He wants victory to be part of your life. Don't run when conflict comes. Do what David did when he saw Goliath. Run towards it. Run towards it. Like a fireman or a policeman or those, those courageous men and women that you know, deal with emergency situations in our world. They don't run away from problems. They run towards it. And, and that's what determines men and women of God. They run towards the issues that strike danger into the hearts of others. The ordinary person runs away, but real men run towards. That's, that's kind of the measure of a man. The measure of a man. Men, men carry seed. Naturally, they carry seed in their body, naturally. But I'm talking about real spiritual men. They carry seed as well. And they recognise that danger is designed to destroy seed. But they carry seed and they run towards danger to defeat the danger so the seed can, can, can be planted. Last one. I'll finish and hand over to Pastor Pat. One more step. They walked on a little bit further and they came to, anyone tell me, they came to Jordan. Jordan. They came to Jordan. That's your name. Jordan. They came to Jordan. And, and it was all about... Coming back to Joshua chapter 3 and those 
of course, who, who understood that when they first told this story and when it's been recounted down through the generations. They understood that Jordan had significance like the other places. And people who know this, their scriptures well and people from that era, they would say, Jordan, we, we know what that means. What does it mean? Crossing over. And what would they do when they cross over? They would possess the land. They would possess the land. In other words, they would change the climate. They would change the culture. They would change the way of life in the place that they went to. See, this is not about me just getting my, my slavery broken off. This is not just about me having my nice time under an open heaven. This is not just about me living in victory. This is I, me living in victory so that I can be a part of changing a culture and bringing a victory to a whole region, a whole region. A whole region, a whole region. It's almost at the end of the story and almost at the end of me. And then Elijah says this, I'm about to go. Is there anything I can do for you? And Elisha says, give me a double portion of your spirit. Double, double, double. Give me a double. Give me a double. He's not standing at the bar saying, give me a double. He's saying, I, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he's not saying, I, I disrespect what you have done. He's saying, there is a new day. There is a new challenge. There is a new opportunity. There is more resistance. I need more in my day than you had in yours. And whatever has been in the past, we thank God for it. I thank God for all the heroes of yesterday. I thank God for all of the heroes of faith, of men and women that have served God, missionaries and pastors and apostles and all the wonderful men and women that have served God down through the years. You can name the great names of yesterday. But we need something fresh from God for our day. Our day. We need something fresh. You can't live on their anointing. They've gone and so is their anointing. We need a fresh anointing for the new day. Fresh anointing, new day. We honour them from the past. I thank God for every one of my heroes, most of whose names you would not know because they come from another part of the world. I thank God for my pastors growing up. I thank you for faith, thank God for faithful men and women who sowed into my life and have now gone to their reward. But what they had is gone and I need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit, a fresh deposit of the Spirit, something that I can take into my tomorrows that will change the world that's there. Father, it's my prayer today that we will understand this passion of the real man for God, the passion of the real man for his people, for his nation, for his world, the real man for the passion for younger men and younger women to sow into their lives and invest in them in such a way that will prepare them to come and to take their place as leaders. Father, I pray that we will not wait till we're 70 or 60 or 50 or 40 or 30 before we start serving you, but Lord, we will start leading right now. And if we're 20 or 25 or 30, we'll start now and we will be an example of what it is to carry the anointing of the Spirit of God in this day to this generation. Father, I ask it in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Amen.